know what makes me feel the way you do And I don't know what I would do without you And that's no lie If I die I'd hope to find you in another So we could fall again Be the way we were when we first began Like the first time that I ever saw you smile Welcome to the thesis, Jason and Leatrice Caldwell. I want to thank both of you for supporting the show not only in listening or sharing, but now in your participation. Matter of fact, Brother Caldwell, this is your second time being on the show. And for our listeners who, have, that, who may have missed that chapter, please go to season one and check out the chapter entitled, How Do We Economically Progress? Brother Caldwell provided a wealth of knowledge and insight on that chapter. Well, this season is about promoting and saving the African-American culture. There are so many instances in which we are degraded in mass media. And recognizing this, I wanted to devote a full season to promoting intellectual forward thoughts that can dispel what media tells the world about us. This chapter in particular is about Black marriage. Now, I will say this. The degradation of African-Americans is not solely the mass media's fault. In my opinion, there has been a multitude of issues that have placed African-Americans in a declining rate marriage-wise. Over several decades, marriage in, marriages in America has been declining as a whole. However, the data that I recently read on blackdemographics.com indicates that 30% of African-Americans were married in comparison to 48% of all other Americans. Beyond that, 50% of African-Americans have never been married compared to 34% of all Americans. After reading this data, I asked myself, how can this platform be used to promote the growth of healthy marriages and shift the mindset of those who may be apprehensive about marriage? To our listeners who are single or do not have any desire to be married, this conversation is not an attack on what you feel may be best for you. This conversation is for those individuals who are married or are seeking some inspiration to make it to their wedding anniversary. This conversation is for those individuals who have been in the prayer closet praying for their future spouse. Lastly, this conversation is for those who still see the value in marriage. In stating all of this, we have so much to unwrap in this conversation, so let's dive right into the conversation. Much like any origin story, let's start at the beginning of your love story. This is a question that I would love to hear both perspectives of what the beginning of your relationship looked and felt like for you. Well, first of all, thank you for um, inviting us to join you on this edition of the podcast. We're thrilled to be with you um, and excited to share more about our story. 
I think I'll start because I think I was sort of the the impetus for um, where we are, to be quite honest. The so the funny thing is we we had we had never met or seen each other probably up until the time that I came and saw her in a dorm room. I just so happened to have my friend from high school went to summer the summer orientation. Orientation. Mm-hmm. We were all in the same dorm together. And I guess this was like the first or second day of classes. First day of class. First day of classes. Mm-hmm. And my friend said, yo, I'm going to visit my, you know, some of my friends from orientation that live on the, God, what floor is that? On the sixth floor. Sixth of, floor yeah. of Grogan, Grogan Hall, Hall at UNC <laughs> Greensboro. And I said, well, I'm not doing anything. I'll go with you. And so at the time, Grogan was split. The first, I think, three floors were for the guys, and then the upper floors were for the ladies. And so I went up, went upstairs to visit, and it was in the cab. No, we weren't in the cab. We were in the cafeteria. We were in the cafeteria. No, I don't recall it. We were in the cafeteria, and we were in the cafeteria. Cause I was getting something. I was like, "Oh, who is that? Who is it? Who is that?" She said, "Oh, no, that's my best friend, Jason." So I thought it was. I thought you were her boyfriend. We were in the cafeteria. Continue. Okay, so then maybe I I jumped forward to a day because I remember going upstairs. So my friend came back. We were going upstairs to visit, and she was in her room, and it was her her. My roommate. Her roommate. Well, I think there might have been somebody else. Correct. So we were at the cafeteria. That's what it was in the atrium. We were at the atrium. That's when I first saw you. Now, I noticed you then, but I don't know if you noticed me at that moment, but we were at the cafeteria. Mm-hmm. So, but at some point, you noticed me that day, and it's okay. So, but I thought you were the boyfriend of your best friend. At the time. Yes. Well, so I guess age might be jumping on us. This is going okay. on. This will be 22 years together. Mm-hmm. So let me fast forward. Please. So we'll get up to the room. I remember very vividly. Mm-hmm. I get lost. I, there were a few times where I got lost for words, but I don't think I had much to say while I was in the room. You were quiet. I was pretty quiet. Mm-hmm. And then I remember walking out of the room and saying, I'm going to end up marrying her. And I devised this sort of plan to try to woo her <laughs> <laughs> and figure out because I'm an I was a very strong introvert, so making the first move and introducing myself was gonna be difficult. But I had to figure out, let me figure out a way that I could do it without directly revealing who I was. Correct. And at the time I was interested in someone else right she, she back had home some... who we really weren't officially dating but we just you know just talked so that was prior to me coming to college and you know so at the time I, he really he you know he's cute he was cute I was okay this is a cute guy but out of my heart I just really wasn't that interested at the at the moment so at the time so then I started receiving this email, this anonymous email, which <laughs> which he 
forgot that his name shows up on the email <laughs> and the <laughs> the name I will not say what the name was, but it was something that was not holy. It wasn't so, <laughs> PG. It probably wasn't. It was probably holy. more along the lines of PG thirteen. It, it was, yeah, yeah. Borderline so, R. Borderline R. Yeah, XX. Yeah, R. No, so, not XX. Yeah. So, um. Anyway, so I I started receiving the emails on the end. I said to my roommate, I said, "Well, who is, who is, um, who is this?" And then they said, "That's Jason." I said, "Jason." Who just said that's, um, I said that's, you, you know, your girl's friend. I was like, wait, Jace, that's Jason? I was like, oh, why is he sending me emails? And the email would go something like, I want to get to know you. I like your caramel skin. Um, you know, can you meet me at this place or something so we can get to know each other? And I was like, first of all, okay, I believe this is a stalker. But then my mind, I was like, okay. Why did he just come and talk to me? Like, he doesn't have to send me emails. So at that moment, I recognized, I guess, his communication, how he communicates. He communicates better, I guess, through email, his feelings. He, you know, that's, that's him. He's, he's a writer. So I said, okay, this is how he wants to do this. So, um, I believe I, I think I indulged you and I think I did meet you at, did I meet you somewhere or did we just end up? I don't know how, but I think I ended up meeting him. That's where it gets a little foggy. I can't remember yeah. if we met somewhere, if we just ended up hanging meeting, out, meeting in the dorm with a and group the group of people. And the conversation came up. And yeah. at that point, I had no choice. And choir rehearsal. Oh, so that's yeah. what it was. So they were doing choir rehearsal and auditions for the, the, uh, the gospel choir on campus. And I was, we were, some conversation came up about, you know, I, I sing. I was like, oh, I would love to hear you sing. Well, I'm going to the choir rehearsal. So I was like, well, I'm going to go. And, and I'm she, like, you sing too? I was like, <laughs> so. not really. But <laughs> so I went, I ended up going to choir rehearsal. We just, uh, it. I think we just became kind of like, just hung out. Okay, we're going to go to choir rehearsal. And then we just hung out. So, and I think that was it. And then, you know, I, and then his roommate, I guess we started end up talking about, like the type of movies we liked and you know so we started making movie night you know with roommates and so and then that was that was it aladdin aladdin became i'm a um, disney i like disney so disney became, was in the moment so became sort of the the movie of choice mm-hmm. and um honestly i guess that was August, September by by October. I think I finally mustered up enough sort of courage to ask her if we could just officially go out. And our first date was at Applebee's in Fayetteville. Mm-hmm. And I remember driving to Fayetteville because she had went home for the weekend and went to Applebee's and that was sort of the, the kickoff around. It was probably around October. Mm-hmm. October I think it 18. was like, yeah, the first part of we October. just made it official October 18th. It was like, this is who I'm going to be with. You know, he wasn't really seeing anybody. Granted, it was th- three months out of college, freshman year. What were we thinking, right? Like, freshman year, who does that? Okay, first. So, um, but he he wanted to get serious, and I guess okay. Well, I mean, I didn't want to really talk to anybody else, and I think that's when I 
So let me tell you how serious it was. It was so serious that when I would go home to visit her, she would take me to the store where her friend that she was talking to worked at. And um talking to as in what? Like talking about the guy that I was interested in? We went to he worked at Athletes for the something. Okay. <laughs> and I remember going there. So here's the irony of all this. So during this courtship period, I met most of her ex-boyfriends. Because he wanted to. But that was because he just wanted to see what the competition was. And he was, so that was more so like a, oh, oh, that's who you, maybe an insecure type thing. I probably was like. But he had nothing to worry about because at that moment I already made a decision. So, I mean, you know, granted it was early. It, we were, I mean, we were early, like freshman year. That was early to kind of get serious with someone. But we decided, hey. That was um, what we wanted to do. We started going to church together um, through the choir. So it was just, yeah, we just kind of felt like, okay, this is who, who we want to be with. So that's, that's really when we decided. Yeah, that's when we decided. Yeah. And then when he came back from Mexico, I think we went to Mexico. That was a turning point, too. Yeah. So the following year, I left to go do a study abroad. And I didn't think we were going to continue our relationship because I'm like, he's all the way in Mexico. So this is going into sophomore year. He didn't tell me that he had plans to do a study abroad. Like, and then I'm sitting here like, okay, <laughs> like you think I'm going to be here. Like, okay, he's out of the way in Mexico with muchachas and all these chicas. And I'm like, wait a minute. I'm supposed to sit back here and wait. You know why you just, you know, oh, and then he, then the kicker was, he called me one day and said, okay, I don't like my host family. I'm going to get an apartment with these girls. Now, how does that sound? Like, for me, from my point of view, okay, he wants to get an apartment with these girls and not stay with his family. So what is what what does that mean? So I'm thinking, okay, I'm this is not going to continue. This is soft, going into, what, the second spring of freshman year, sophomore year? This is spring of sophomore year. Spring sophomore Mind year. Mind you, she forgot to also mention before I left, I basically put all of my affairs in her name. So like she was on my bank account. Because I worked at the um, bank. At, I mean, because I, I worked at the She grade. was like, when I had to do like emergency contact stuff, like I had her listed. He did and I thought he was crazy to doing it, but hey, he wanted me to manage his funds. I mean, I, I was like, okay, so I thought it was just being, you know, like, just, I don't know, maybe a way to keep me. I don't know. But he, he, he did. He made me over his affairs. And I was like, okay. But to ask me to send him money to get in the party with these girls, that was not going to happen. But I, but I did, I was because I said, you know what? If that's what he wants to do in my heart, I was like, okay, I'll, I trust him. So if that's what he wants to do, but I was pray, I prayed that Lord, please show him that that is not wise for him to do. And I, I would be, you know, kind of concerned, but I had to be at peace with it. If that's what he decided to do, cause he's, you know, a thousand miles away. What could I do? So, Which I ended up not doing. Yeah. And the Lord spoke. Um, the Lord spoke. Yes, he did. And. I, you know, I think it was a defining moment for us because I realized I said, well, if we can be this far away and still feel connected, then maybe there is something long term to it. Mm -hmm. So we I mean, we stayed the course. I mean, that was in 1999 um, when we first started. And here we are, 2022. 
Um, I guess it's going on 23 years later. 23, 17 married. Um, so 23 years together, and we just celebrated 17 years of marriage last Saturday. We Plus, so y'all said so much, and, and I don't want to diminish what you've mentioned. I, there are some things that I took notes on. One of the things that you mentioned, Brother Caldwell, is you knew immediately, as soon as you saw her, that I want to marry her. And this this speaks to this notion that some women have about me and that we play these games and we, we, we go in and out of relationships. There's a number of things that are said about how men conduct themselves in relationships. But on the flip side of that, there's this conversation that I've heard from women that'll say, but when a man knows, he knows. So you starting the conversation off with, even though you were relatively young and you know your your wife mentioned that y'all were freshmen and who would make this who would make this type of decisions or have these thought processes of putting someone who is not your wife on your affairs and your business right. and as your emergency contact. So that just lets me know that not only were you just saying that you wanted to marry her, you knew it in your heart, you was making movements to put that in place. And I'm glad that y'all were able to work through some things and through prayer, you didn't make a decision that made your future wife uncomfortable. Yeah. So this was not a part of the conversation, but I was hoping you was going to get there and I didn't want to step on either one of your toes. So you went through emails and tap dancing. How did you, did you go through the same thing to get to the point of wanting to ask her to get married and give me an understanding of what happened with that process? So that was. Did you uh, send an email for that too? No, I didn't send an email. <laughs> stop. Email stopped. I think there were there were a few things that that happened with that. I think the chief of that was. Um, I think the thing that helped root us and continues to I think cover us is the fact that we started our relationship in like prayer, and and church. You know, I think that that was the foundation for a lot of things that we we would embark upon and the decisions that we make. And I remember very clearly after graduation, praying very earnestly and not in a not in an agonizing way. OK, like, Lord, what's next? And, you know, it was very clear to me that a couple of things were going to happen. He was like, you're going to marry her. I want you to go to school. You're going to get a degree. You're going to get your Ph.D., and you're going to be in the area of like education. Like I knew those things very clearly. And as soon as I sort of got that confirmation, I remember um, I put in the motion, okay, like, well, what's going to be, how do I go about doing this? How do, how do I ask her? I'm a, I'm a planner. I like to do stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I created this elaborate sort of, um, engagement proposal. So it started with, I recognized that she was, a, she had a very strong family presence and that family was, um, near and dear to her and mm-hmm. top of list. And so I remember calling her parents and say, I want to come down and visit and talk to you all. Her mom was like, well, when you want to come, I said, well, can I come tomorrow? And she's like, okay. So I drove the two and a half hours to get down there. And I remember her mom said later, she's like, well, I thought you would come to tell me y'all were pregnant. Um, <laughs> and I said, no, ma'am, that's not, 
that's not the conversation. Um, and I remember in her living room, I was shaking and I said to her mom and her dad, I've been with your daughter now since 1999. I love her. I, I want to be able to provide for her and I know I can take care of her. And I want to ask for your hand. I want to get your permission to ask her hand in marriage. I remember I can see it. Her mom and her dad were sitting on one couch and I said on her, the other, her mom had her hands in a lap. Her dad started laughing <laughs> and got up and walked out. Her mom said, well, he didn't say no, but you just got to remember that's his only daughter. Um, she's also the baby. And I said, well, I appreciate that. She said, just know that he didn't say no and you'll get our full blessing, but it's just going to take him a minute. I said, okay. So I drove back home, stopped in Durham, went to Jared's jeweler, picked up the engagement ring. And I think it was the next weekend I had told her we were going away. It was Labor Day. Mm -hmm. It was Labor Day weekend. And I said, well, we're going away. I got us a trip on the trip. We're going to take a train ride. Mm -hmm. um, we rode the train to D.C., spent the weekend in D.C. We went to dinner. I think it was probably that Sunday night. And I wouldn't really eat. She was like, you all right? I was like, I'm fine. I'm just not, you know, my appetite's a little off. And the whole time you kept telling me I have a surprise for you. I got, I got a gift for you. And I'm like, okay, you know, okay, just nonchalant. And then, you know, I didn't think anything about it. But the first restaurant we ate at, I, I ended up getting food poisoning. I think I think that was the night you told me you were going to propose, but I got food poisoning. Because you was like, oh, this is not. So I waited. Work. I did. I waited till yeah. the next night. And we walked down on the waterfront behind the Kennedy Center there in D.C. And I remember I found a bench and we went and sat down on the bench and I just said, OK, it's either now or never. And I got down on my knee and I asked her to marry me. And she said, yes. And um, that's been that's been I mean, that's been the story ever since. So how long did it take for your father-in-law to come around? <laughs> <laughs> I think, you know, in all honesty, so, so, I mean, he showed up to the wedding. I mean, he, he, he showed up to the, I hope so. I mean, he, he gave her away. He, he did not talk. Was very so, my dad, so my dad is very, he's very quiet, very shy. And, <clears throat> and he doesn't talk much to really anybody unless he, you know, knows yeah. you well. So, to, to him, this is just, you know, we, we were too young, you know, like, I think that was his thing. No, yeah, they're too young. And, uh, but my parents, they got married at 18. So yeah, back then, you know, but he, very, he's very shy, man, a few, very few words. So, but he just has to process everything. And even down like to the details of the wedding, he even said, well, you know, you, you're not getting out, getting married in Greensboro. You haven't come down here. So to me, that meant he really, he was accepting of Jason because he said, okay, well, can you at least get married down here? And I'm like, well, no, dad, we made a, you know, made a home and well, we found a church family. So we're going to do it in Greensboro. So, and, and he came around, so he had no choice at that point. So, but I believe him even considering the, where the location of the wedding was to me made him, made me believe that he actually accepted Jason. Yeah. So, but I mean, through the years, they, you know, they, they cordial talked and, um, dad really respected Jason because he saw that he took care of me and we, 
worked well together and just truly, truly loved each other. So um, well, I think there were two defining moments. One was yeah. probably four or five years later after we got married and we had dinner. We did Christmas dinner at our house. Mm-hmm. We cooked told it was mainly her family. So her brothers, two brothers, her mom and her dad came up and we cooked dinner. And I remember her dad was like, y'all, you cooked all of this? Yeah. And um, I was like, yes, sir. And he was just like, you all right with me? And at that moment, I felt a switch in terms of just him opening up. And then, in all honestly, I think the sort of other defining moment for me was probably a few weeks ago. Just a few weeks ago. We were at the house and... My house, my um, parents' house. Going down to her parents' house and um, her dad told me to the side. He says, you know what? He said, I might not have really ever told you this, but you, you were the right one. You, you take care of my daughter and I, and I, I love you for that. And thank you for, thank you for what you're doing for her and for my grandson. And, you know, that was a, that was like a wow moment for me. 23, um, what, 23 years later? 23 years later, seven, 17 years later. 17, yeah. Um, but, you know, nonetheless, I think, it was it was a matter of being consistent to what I told him when I got went down there the first when I asked him. I've known and seen examples of husbands as providers and caretakers and um, defenders, and that's what I wanted to be. You know, it felt good to hear her dad say that, and you know, and I and I will say, and I think over the years, the beauty of our relationship is that our parents, both sets of parents, actually get along really well, like to the point where, like, my parents and her parents will travel together by themselves. Like, you know, I just think there were just a lot of things that work well together and, you know, it's manifested itself over time. You know, I, I think one of the things that I was very conscious of, you know, Proverbs 18, who who finds a wife finds a good thing. The... B clause of that is, and then finds favor. So, you know, I think that we have just been favored throughout these 23 years, 17 years of marriage. And that's not something that, you know, you could put a price tag on or say is, say is, you know, it's magical. It's, it's the favor of God. Um, and that's what we've had to, that's what we've had to rely on. And I really appreciate that uh, you brought up that scripture. And one of the things that I've done over the course of of this show is try to bring up scripture and other facts as a foundation of the conversation, because I, I try not to lean on my own understanding. But also t- building off of your last point, Brother Caldwell, is you receive favor. When I talk to some of my uh, friends, not not our frat brothers, when I talk to some of my friends about uh, my desire to still get married, they'll say, they'll say things like, well, what's the point? You know, you, you've done so much. You're doing good for yourself. Uh, and, and this is a perfect segue into my next question, but what's the point? You've done so well for yourself. And I'll, I'll reply to them and say, well, you're right. I've done so well for myself. So if I, you know, we, we're still dealing with this COVID thing. You and I, Brother Caldwell, had some conversations about the reality of what could have potentially happened. 
with COVID. And I started thinking to myself, like, man, if I go, what is my obituary going to say? Right. Faithful brother, fraternity brother. It won't say husband and dad. And the fact that it doesn't say husband, it would not have said husband or dad bothered me. So all this, these conversations men and women are having separately as well as collectively about we, this independency mindset. I'm not saying that those people don't have the right to feel the way that they feel. It just doesn't work for me. But I'll segue into my next question. Over the years, like I mentioned, um, I've had several conversations with men and women who were or are still married. In many cases, those conversations will culminate with statements like, I stay because of the kids. I stay because it's cheaper to keep her. <laughs> I, stay, I stay because I do not want to start over. Rarely am I met with I stay because I love them. I love her. I love him. Whatever the case may be. I'm not judging those people for providing their insight or perspective on marriage. Being that I'm not married, it's not my place to get into that. However, like I just mentioned, I have the desire to be married. And it can be hard to hear those negative realities that some people have regarding marriage. And the successes that you mentioned um, earlier, and the successes of life and career achievements that both of you have experienced outside the realm of your marriage. What have been those deciding factors that keep the both of you choosing to love each other and committed to your vows? So I, I will say support for, for each other throughout our achievements. And I'll, I will speak throughout Jason's journey, as he mentioned before, seeking education, degrees, in higher education from masters <clears throat> to get in his doctorate. Um, that was a defining moment for me because pretty much, you know, we, I supported him through that, um, through and through, through it all, whether it be financially, because there were times that he were not able to, when it came to working, you know, there were some things that he had to, kind of put aside because of his, his collapse, you know, through his achievement. So through that, for me, it was the support of it. And I made a de deciding moment that, Hey, I'm going to support him through this regardless of, and of what, what come, what may we're, we're all, we're going to be taken care of. So I think that was the moment for me, um, just to decide that, Hey, this is who I'm going to support this is who I love. And this is his dream, the dream of his, and I want him to succeed. I want him to do well. So um, I think that was a defining moment for me to decide that this is where I am. This is who I want to be with. And this is who I support and love. Well, I, I would add also, I think when you make the statement, um, when people say it's cheaper to keep her, you know, I have found that for for us, love has no financial value that you can affix to it. And, you know, when she talked about my my desire to get more education to help potentially further my career. I mean, there were fun. There were moments where, I mean, financially, if, if you ask an accountant, I mean, they would say we were darn near close to the poverty line. I mean, it was there were moments where it was tough. It was. And, you know, and it wasn't a matter of no one fully knew 
where either one of our careers would end up. So, you know, the even the mentality of saying <clears throat> that, you know, I'm I'm just going to stick around because it's cheaper to keep her or, you know, I'm just, you know, I'm I'm here for for the kids. So that's one mindset. But I think if you get into a relationship, particularly if you decide to go into marriage, then the mindset should not be on the temporal nature of marriage. It should be on the long term nature of a relationship. If we base our relationship with God on the life now and everlasting, then we should base our relationship goals on recognizing that it shouldn't just be for a moment. You know, that has been the 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 guiding factor for us is that, you know, I think the this again, just going back to the scripture, Psalm 90, teach us the number of days that we may that we can apply you know, our hearts unto wisdom. Every day we should think about how we are engaging with one another, how we're supporting one another. And then what does that look like on the reciprocal? So, I mean, just as she supported me with my degrees, she just went through the same thing with hers. Our wedding anniversary day last weekend was her graduation day. It was no no concern of mine that it was our wedding anniversary day because we can celebrate that anytime. Mm-hmm. It was her graduation day. It was her graduation weekend. And so how can I shift and how to make sure that we're recognizing her level of achievement and accomplishments just as much as she did for mine? I think that's the, that's, that's the, 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 the tenet of, you know, that agape love that we're we're supposed to have. It shouldn't just apply. We shouldn't just say that when we're talking about people in general. How can you have that same measure of love within your own household? And so, you know, I think that that would be that would be the defining moment for and when we think about how to maintain the relationship. It's not about the momentary aspect of the relationship. It's about this is a life it's a lifelong commitment. And for those of us that are in Greek letter organizations, it's the same thing that's stated to you, to you then, you know, you know, I see on my wife's Delta shirts, all of my love. I mean, we know the same thing, our peace and happiness. And we talk about it for organization. It's the same thing we talk about for, for within a relationship. And it's a choice, you know, a choice that you, you, that you decide that you have to make. And, I just decided this is this is where I want to be. This is who I want to choose life with. So that was the defining moment for me. And I think, and first, thank you both for that answer. But beyond that, I would say that y'all both made some great points. So, so Brother Caldwell, I want to start back at what you said about that agape love thing. I had mentioned it to a young lady maybe a week and a half ago. And I said, you know, I wish I could love God, like God loves me. And I can never wrap my cerebral cortex around the massiveness of how God loves me as an individual. It's something that I think we all should try to work towards throughout life. The level of love that we should give to each other. And as you mentioned, brother, about the fraternal bond, you know, I'm sure a sorority bond is 
when you have those moments in those orders where you're not happy with an, another individual, you still have to love on them some type of way and get past the things that you you may not see eye to eye about. You know, because if we're going to treat them like an individual, then what's the point of the bond? But once again, I appreciate y'all input on that last question. So let's move to the next one. Who were or are those married couples that have been an influence on your marriage in a positive way and why? And do you see your marriage as an influence for younger couples who are considering marriage? If so, what elements of your marriage do you believe or have you been told inspires others? I think for for both of us, we look at our parents. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> um, you know, I think I think your parents have been married now for what? Um, 54, 50, 55 years, 55 years. And I think yes. mine are in the fit, like low 50s. Yeah, 55 years. And that they've, yeah, both, yeah, about 55 years. I mean, so collectively, that's, I mean, that's the century, right? So, I mean, we look at, we, we look at them and whether or not they're saying it directly to us or not, like they're showing us, here's where, you know, some things that we didn't necessarily have all together when we first started, but look at us as an example of, you know, how to overcome, how to work through, how to talk through and maintain where maintain togetherness for 50 plus years. I mean, that's a model that in this day and age, regardless if it's marriage or just like work or whatever, seeing, seeing stability is Mm -hmm. not a a commodity that people have access to a lot now because we're just seeing change is so rapid and people are so quick to want to jump from one thing to the next. Mm -hmm. Um, so it's it's been refreshing to see that stability. And then I think on our end, you know, we've had couples um, come up to us and just say, you know, we admire how you love each other or we we think it's cool how you all do things together, how giving and selfless you you all are. And, you know, it's not that we we've sought out to make our marriage a model for anybody. But I just think it's by nature of who we are to each other and the gifts and talents that God has given each of us that people are drawn mm-hmm. and drawn to us and ask us for advice or guidance or, um, you know, now what we're starting to see is, you know, we're seeing people start to be drawn to us because they like our willingness to travel and to go out. And we're seeing couples that are interested and doing that. And, you know, if we can inspire one couple or one individual to sort of help rekindle that within their relationship, then, you know, again, may the work I've done, <laughs> may the work we've done speak for us. And, you know, that that seems rather trivial. But, you know, again, one of the things that we embedded into our relationship early on was our love for adventure and yes i was um, he introduced me to adventure i never knew a life of travel or adventure i think that that was one of the things too that made me um fall in love with him just 
um, wanted me to see the world. And I think that's one of the things you did say to me that you want, you wanted to show me the world. And he did just that and has doing it ever since we've, we've met and has been consistent in that. So just introducing me to new things. Um, it's been very rewarding. And like he said, I put my parents, you know, they, they've all been both have been through, you know, through sickness, um, just through everything together. And we've, we've seen that we've, you know, look at that as a model. So, um, the scripture that comes to me when we look at, when I see them is, um, the scripture from first Corinthians 13, where it talks about love is patient, love is kind. And it does not envy, it does not boast, and it's not proud. So when I look, when I think about our parents and the model that they have shown to us, that scripture comes to mind because they, they have been patient with one another through 55 years. And between us, we love is patient. You have to be patient, whether it's, you know, through a, a disagreement with what what you're going to eat that night <laughs> or it could be you know uh where 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 we're going to just you know what where we're going here where we're going there or even with our son Ethan you know but we make sure we do have that united front with each other you know when it comes to that so we just choose to uh be on one accord and to communicate so we make sure that we try to maintain that uh, stability that he was referring to as well in our relationship. One thing I will say to the both of you, Brother Caldwell, you've, you've mentioned some things to me about your wife and how you look at your wife just in passing, bro, <laughs> that uh, I admire me, those, those things that you've mentioned to me. And there's been several different things that you, I've talked to our other line brothers about some of the things that you've mentioned to me about your wife. I'm not going to go into those things on the show, but I, I will say that even for, Men that are not married, you're an influence. And I, I, I want to publicly say that to you. I appreciate that. It, you know, what people do in front of the old lady, man, that's, that's one thing. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> what you do in private, that's something else, you know, and I, I hold those, those situations close to me. And that tells me a lot about a person's character. You know, I may not say anything at that time, but I, I keep note. I got the memory in a, of an elephant. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, but I, I digress. Um, let's move on to the next question. At a time when first time marriages are ending in divorce at a rate of 60 percent, what would you recommend to those couples who are considering divorcing each other? And secondly, what marriage maintaining steps would you suggest to get them back to the nucleus of their relationship? I would, I would start by saying you have to have authentic conversations. You got to be willing to have conversations. I think, you know, as she mentioned to, even in the early stages, she recognized that my primary communication style was not having direct conversations. So how do you, how do you work through that? And, you know, I think some of the things that we've done through the years is try to learn each other's like love language. Yes. How we like what's our preferred communication style. Um, I think at one point we even did a personality assessment so that we could see like what our different personality types are like. 
you know, she's more on the introverted scale. I mean, extroverted scale. I'm on, I'm high on the introverted scale. How do we, how do you, how do you balance that? You're right. So I think, you know, we've had those conversations. It wasn't a one, one and done conversation that we had when we first got married. It's been a progression of conversations that we still have to this day. Yes. Um, and I will admit in those early years, because we didn't, we didn't know because we weren't having those conversations. I mean, it could be, it could be pretty, pretty heavy when we would have conversations because we didn't know how to talk to each other. We didn't know, not just talk, we didn't know how to listen. Mm -hmm. And, you know, if I were to talk to somebody that's having a conversation, I would honestly ask them, are you all talking or are you listening? Because there's a difference in that, in, in that construct. We can talk to each, talk at At each each other all day long. Mm -hmm. Question is, are you listening to what you're talking about. And then the, his communication from what I perceive may be different. It's just, you know, I'll try to paraphrase it. And that's, that's my way of communicating. Like, okay, are you saying this? And I think for, for him, it's like, okay, I said that. And then I said, well, no, I don't think you did. So we have to learn each other how, how we communicate. We had to do that throughout the years. And even to this day, and I'm like, well, it's actually a lot better now <laughs> because we learned that, okay, Cause I'm, I'm, I'm more to communicate. I have to talk things out. Women do that. We do that. We want to talk right into there. Sometimes ladies, you just have to kind of step away, let them, you know, think about it, process and then come back, pray, pray and then come back and then revisit the conversation when they're ready. And, you know, I'm not saying it's always about the other, about him, but you also want to kind of give him time and space and in your, yourself time and space because you don't want to talk whenever you're, you know, at that moment, here the moment, you're not going to get anything resolved. So we had to learn how each other's way of uh, communicating. So I, I knew he was an introvert. He didn't really like, um, direct conversations, but I, I kind of let that sit for a little bit, but he's gotten better throughout the years and he's, he understands that I need a little bit more too. So it wasn't really just about him, but he also understood that, that, okay, she needs this for me and he's worked really, really hard with that. So, um, but it just, it, that took work. It takes work to do that. So, and finding your mate, you know, talk, make sure you understand each other's communication level. Um, their method and, you know, understand that you're both different and it's okay. But as long as you're able to, if that person didn't change, would you be able to live with that person for the rest of your life? If something you didn't like about that person, would you be able to live with it for the rest of your life? And you had to, we had to ask ourselves that question. Like, okay, is that something that I don't like? What I'm able, yeah. And we obviously, the answer was yes. We, we continue to remain. So, um, and then, you know, <clears throat> just think about, you don't want to, you don't want to focus on the big thing. The little foxes, like the little small little things can just make it magnify. You have to be mature in it as well. So people, I, you know, I see people that are out there and they're trying to seek their mate and they have these, this list, this expectation list. And, and I, I chuckle a little bit because, you know, um, that list is not going to be completely full because everyone's not perfect. So, you know, um, it's just a matter of what can you actually deal with this person? Like, what can you 
deal with and be okay and accept, you know, and not saying it is detrimental to your being or, or, you know, but just what can you really accept and allow yourself to love this person for the rest of your life? Allow yourself to love this person for the rest of your life. I think, and I've said this on a previous chapter that in my opinion, no relationship is more important than first your relationship with whoever you believe in. I don't want to get into that. But secondly, your relationship with yourself. Mm-hmm. I think oftentimes people get so caught up in their outward relationships, whether it's their relationship with their job, their relationship with their money, their relationship with their society that they may be a part of. There's a lot of people that get caught up in letters. Um, yes. But they don't really love themselves. And I don't want to build too much on what both of you have said, but I, listeners, I want you to think about the last point that was made. That's something to really take in. <laughs> that you can't also, you can't stop learning each other too. Right. Y- y'all said so much and, and I'm trying not to chime in because I, while I'm interviewing, I'm also soaking up the game too. So (laughs) you can't stop learning and loving on each other. I think it's my presumptive measure that what happens is people stop finding ways of loving the person that they chose to love. They want them to be the person in the box that they were when they first met them and not realizing that life changes. And people go through things and people grow or people digress. But on to the next question that I have for the both. Oftentimes, I wish that I had the ability to rewind the hands of time. Unfortunately, that's not an ability anyone has, or at least not that I know of. Maybe Elon Musk has the ability to do that. Um, However, what I've come to learn is that I can provide people with foresight based based upon my experiences. And stating this, Brother Caldwell, if there was, if one of our college brothers, rather, came to you seeking marriage advice and guidance before he asked a young lady to get married, what steps would you recommend to prepare our brother to be a successful husband? You know, I think I would, I would definitely encourage them to write an email. No, not an email. You know, they would they would probably probably need to send a send a Snapchat or Instagram. Hey, the email uh, works for y'all though. The email yeah, works. Yeah. Email work. I'm I'm holding on to my claim to fame. Nothing wrong with that. Um, but it wouldn't probably fly nowadays. I just um, technology has allowed these folks. Cause, I mean, we were still using dial up basically back then, and so I mean, yeah. um, uh, I. <laughs> I, I will wait the email route uh, unless you send an Amazon gift card to that email for uh, a, a welcome gift or something. I would, you know, the first thing I would honestly tell somebody is you definitely need to seek God in prayer. You know, I think my experience, I'm not going to say was unique, but like you said earlier, I knew. And it wasn't that I was seeking marriage. It wasn't that I was seeking relationship. I just knew. Um, I just had that feeling. I just sort of knew that that was the tra- trajectory that I wanted to 
you know, ascend on. And, but I also couple that with many moments of prayer and um, making sure that I knew that it was direction. The other thing I would, you know, encourage a young brother to do is let a man examine himself. And so, you know, I think all of us need to do the due diligence of knowing who we are. One, you know, you are your own best advocate. Nobody else can advocate for Brandon, for Jason, for Leatrice as any better than that person themselves. Now, I can speak on your behalf, but who knows you better than yourself? And so the scripture clearly tells us, particularly when you're coming to a moment of, you know, you got to think about marriage like the Eucharist, the breaking of bread together. When you're coming to that moment and, you know, it tells us to let a man examine himself, you have to know who you are. And so I would urge a young college brother, pray, seek God's direction. And then while you're seeking God's direction, let yourself be revealed to you. And that's not that that will show us the good, the bad, the indifferent, everything so that you sort of know where you're headed. Like I knew where I wanted to go somewhat in my career. I knew it was going to be in education. I didn't know the ending and I still don't because, you know, my career is still evolving, but I had some direction. She knew exactly what she wanted to do, what kind of career she wanted to be in. She's been in the banking and finance industry for over 20, I mean, almost 20 years now. I mean, she said when she was a little kid that she wanted to she wanted to work in a bank and that's where she ended up at. Um, but she knew that going into it. Um, and so I think if you if you take time to understand yourself, know your personality, know, you know, what are your quirks? What are the things that you if if it came down to it, that you would you would be OK, like she said, if that never changed about me or the other person, I would be OK. And that takes time knowing who you are. And, you know, I think the foresight now is in hindsight for me, I wish I had done more self-examination early on. Same here. So that's that's probably what those would probably be the two big things that I would share. What would you share, honey? Um, I would say um, in addition to that, when, yes, definitely define yourself, know who you are. But uh, for me, I, I saw, I saw, I did seek the Lord. I sought the Lord and I asked him what, what was it that he had for me? And I know in the moment I knew, I knew what, J- I know what Jason wanted, but I, I, I knew what I wanted, but was it what he wanted for me? So I think uh, for me, it was definitely prayer and I didn't get caught up in, you know, looking at other relationships and what they did. I wanted to make sure that it was real and that it was true. So um, I think for me would be just seeking God for answers. And I think just, you know, knowing that, okay, this is the person that God has for me. I think that was a uh, defining moment, but it, it took me to make sure that I knew, you know, who I was. But um, scripture comes to me, but seek ye first the kingdom 
and his righteousness and all of these things will be added to you as well. So I and that I sought the Lord for I sought him first. And in all these things, then Jason was added to me. So this is what he added to me. So I believe that, yes, I wasn't very independent woman. And um, and I knew whoever God had for me that he had to listen, either match it or come above it. So, (laughs) you know, I wasn't. But God showed me that he's like, okay, I'm not just going to give you anybody, you know, so. And not, you know, not saying that, you know, that, you know, I was looking for like this rich man. No, by any means, but someone that was kind of like minded, meaning had the same, you know, values and principles as I did and as I desired in a husband. So even before we were before we got married, before you proposed that night that you were going to propose, we just had a simple conversation of what marriage looked like. So we actually talked about that before he even popped the question. So, you know, those are some things that are important whenever you're seeking your mate, have conversations about it just to get an idea. Okay. Is this the person I want to spend the rest of my life with? What, what are their values? What are, how do they view marriage? You know, like roles, define roles. So, you know, one may say, Hey, I don't want my I don't want my wife to work. I want her to just, you know, sit. For me, I mean, I love to work. <laughs> so I grew up in a household where my mom, you know, and my dad, both parents work. And uh, same for Jason. So um, and even if it was an option, I was still want to work. That's just that's just my ethic. That's what I that's what I do. So we had to learn, learn that. Um, and I think and having those conversations of what marriage looks like early on, then that could eliminate the the time that people feel like they've wasted. Have it early on, especially if you're whenever you're seeking relationships and and you're in courtship. Have that have the conversation early on. It's okay to have that conversation. So, uh, but for me, was seeking God for answers and knowing who I was um, as a person and who I who I am in God. And knowing that who he had for me was for me. Well, there's no there's no need for me to add on to that. As we close, I always ask my guests to provide their thesis statement for our conversation. This chapter is no different. I would love to hear both of your thesis statements regarding what we discussed today. Okay, so we actually have a joint. There's I a like joint, that. A joint thesis statement. Okay. <laughs> so I would call this um, love check-in, a journey of choosing life together. Choosing life together. It's interesting. Look at, look at God. I, before we had this interview, I was sitting and looking at the notes that I took for this interview. And I said, one of the couples that inspired me as a as a teenager to even consider marriage was a, a couple by the name of Ozzie Davis and Ruby D. And I don't know if all of our listeners know who that couple is, but please, if, if you do not know, please look into them. But they have a book that someone let me read a little bit of, and it was called In This Life Together. And it gave me so many nuggets of understanding at that time. Did I apply all those nuggets of understanding? 
Not always. I appreciate both of you. I appreciate the insight that y'all provided in this conversation. In closing, listeners, I hope that you have received some insight. If not for you, then maybe for someone else. For my new and returning listeners, thank you for your support. You could be doing anything, but you are choosing to spend your time with us. If you would like to provide feedback on this chapter, or if you would like to be a guest on the thesis, please email me at thethesis111 at gmail.com. As I always say, welcome to The Thesis, a podcast where we unlock the thoughts of time. Please be encouraged. If I die, I'd hope to find you in another life so we can fall again. Be the way we were when we first began, like the first time that I.